0: For the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world, today is Tuesday, December 1st. It's off-season mode here at Crack Rackets as we begin to shift our attention towards the 2021 season. Of course, there are still a few weeks left of action to discuss. Last week, we had a couple of challengers that I want to talk about on today's podcast. We also have two more challengers going on this week that I want to just briefly run through. Of course, our off-season coverage has begun, and if you have missed missed any of that coverage be sure to head over to our website crackedrackets.com of course our college contender series breaking down our top 11 men's teams heading into the Division 1 men's college tennis season already underway we've talked about Georgia Florida Michigan and Stanford so far if you've missed Any of those conversations, any of that content, you can go find it all on our website. Of course, we are getting ready to launch our next-gen ATP 2.0, our look at the next wave of next-gen players ascending their way up the men's game, uh, and so much other fun stuff planned for this offseason. Of course, we want to talk about when the 2021 season is going to begin. We continue to learn more and more about what things might look like in Australia. Still unclear when the start date for the 2021 season is going to be, so of course that is something we will monitor throughout the next month and we'll talk to our usual cast of characters, our players, coaches, Fellow media members throughout the tennis community, we're really looking forward uh, to this off season sharing all the things we have planned with you listeners. But again, on today's show, I just kind of want to catch everyone up on where we are at. Yesterday, we had Mikeation on to talk about the two American challengers in Cary and Orlando, but a couple of other international events. I want to just summarize where we are at, and again, tell all of you listeners what you can expect to see this week on the professional tour. I will quickly note if you want to read more about what's going on this. This week. go check out our website crackrackets.com our newest writer Judson Wall with his usual weekly review preview articles where he reviews the action from the last week across Challenger's Futures level you name it and then of course previewing what what and where all of you can find this week's action so be sure to go check out that article on our website really excited to have him in the in the mix uh, i mentioned the next gen 2.0 series david gertler going to get ready to launch that series soon as well we've got cameron mofids Cross court Chronicles journey across the globe, some really fun things uh, that I cannot wait for you listeners to get the chance to see. So uh, looking forward to all of that. But of course, uh, the reason we are able to do these podcasts day in, day out here at Crack Rackets is because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. You know the phrase, we want to look good, we want to feel good, so that when we're on court, what are we going to do? We're going to play good. And that's where Midwest Sports and Aerobar come in for all of your tennis equipment needs. Go to MidwestSports.com, use that promo code CR15 for your nutrition needs. Aerobar.com. The promo code is CRACKED15. You'll get 15% off and you will have also solved the science of tennis through Nougat by going to our friends at Aerobar and, of course, look good, feel good, play good, Midwest Sports, Aerobar cracked rackets. All right, with that in mind, let's talk about today's tennis. And again, I just want to focus on the two challengers from last week, as well as the two challengers we have going on this week. Let's start with last week's action in Lima, where we saw a guy who has had so much success down the home stretch of this 2020 season continue his exceptional form. Of course, I'm talking about Daniel Galan, who goes on to win the challenger in Lima, Galan, Drops two sets all week long, dropping a set to Barrios Vera in the semifinals, and then qualifier Diego Tarante, who we will get back to in a little bit in the finals. But for Galan... I mean, he's twenty nine and seventeen now in his last fifty two weeks. Sixteen and ten since he restarted his season in September. But here's what those results look like. Obviously, the big one: third round of the French Open win for him over Cam Nori and tennis Sandgren. Ended up losing to Novak Djokovic. But guess what? You can uh, you can live with a third round loss to Novak Djokovic, particularly when for Daniel Galan at twenty four years old. That's his best result at a Slam by a significant margin. You look at what he's a accomplished so far in his career. The 24-year-old only made his first main draw at a slam at this 2020 Australian Open. You look at what he's done throughout his career, most of his success coming at the Challenger level, although there were a couple, uh, excuse me, coming at the Futures level, although he did make a couple of Challenger finals as well uh, at the end of 2017 and midway through 2018, but this is his second, only his second title at the Challenger level, obviously, for him it's another final on clay and the majority of the 25 singles finals he's made in his career uh, I believe have all come uh, or the majority of them have come uh, I don't know. I'm seeing a funky record here. Some of the math isn't adding up. Anyways, the point being, most of his successful results have come on clay. You look for Galan uh, throughout his career. It's been the surface. he succeeded on the most. So is it shocking to see him go to this event uh, in Lima, win this title? Particularly, of course, again, considering that this event in Lima uh, was indeed on the clay. No, it's, it's definitely not shocking. And for Golan here in this event, he was the number seven seed. You know, in terms of the seeds he faced along the way, He beat Carbeas Benia, uh, but I believe that was the only seed he faced, but he beat Carbeas Benia pretty definitively 7-6-6-2, and what you love for Daniel Galan is he followed up the success uh, that he had in Roland Garros by going back to play some more matches at the challenger level, just trying to ride that confidence. I'm pretty sure he played the next week available after getting eliminated from uh, the French Open. He has played, I think, again, a total down this home stretch. You look at how many matches he's played. He played 26 matches matches down the stretch. He played a total I believe here now of 8 9 events, well let's see, 10 of or I guess 11 events, considering he won one of them has 10 losses, so he played a total of 11 events down the home stretch, that's about as much you can, as you could have asked for from any of these players, and for him, it's that he goes, you know, he has his most success on clay, obviously, and again, worth noting for Daniel Galan, thus far in his career, you look at his splits across surfaces, so far, uh, again, he he's only 24 years old, so still plenty of time, but most matches have have been on clay where he's 171 and 121 he's also 78 and 71 on hard courts one in two on grass for a 250 194 record overall that's good for a 56 percent win per set engine all this is to say i really enjoyed the way he went to carry and knocked out roberto sid knocked out chris eubanks before losing a tight three set match in the semis to dennis kudla he of course played the next week lost a straight set match to bjorn for tangelo but then immediately went off to lima immediately went off uh, to South America, Central America to play these final few events of uh, the 2020 season to try and sneak in a few more matches to try and take advantage of his rhythm. And you just love that strategy for Galan. And look, you know, is he going to blow you out of the water with uh, the flash in his game? No. You look at his percentages that he's accomplished throughout these, what, uh, I suppose, in these, again, 26 matches uh, thus far. He's only, you know, in all of these 26 matches, He hasn't made more than 70% of his first serves in any of them. But in each of the 26 matches, uh, he's won at, you know, in only three occasions that he won fewer uh, than 60% of his first serve points. He's been really good on the second serve as well. Over 50% in all, I believe, but eight of those 26 matches, you look at what he's done on the return. I mean, he's been so successful on the second serve return as well. Really the only guy he struggled. Against was Emil Roussevori, Of course, that was on an indoor hard court and you know Emil uh, gonna bomb big lefty serves at you. But he's done a really, really good job. I think in each of these matches, just so solid off of both wings. Isn't doesn't have crazy amounts of flash, but is fit as a fiddle, and it's just never going to beat himself. And so I thought it was a really good performance for Golan here to get this challenger title to sort of capitalize on his momentum. And now you look at where Golan is at in the rankings: under 25 years old. Daniel Golan up to number 117 he's the 33rd ranked under 25 year old in the men's game but more importantly top one seven. you know top 125 uh he's going to get to play ATP qualifying now he's going to get into every slam qualifying hopefully in some of them get in on his ranking and he's just he's right where he wants to be um there's a lot of uncertainty, obviously, heading into uh, the 2021 season, but he should get into whatever event he wants to play, and given all of the uncertainty going on, that's really all you can ask for as a player right now. Of course, again, he was the big winner on the week, but he wasn't the only winner. Let's talk a little bit now about the guy he played in the finals, Diego Torrente, who If you haven't seen the young Tarante play, he was a qualifier here this week. Uh, Tarante, of course, uh, the young Argentinian, I believe, the former number one junior in the world, if memory serves me correctly. And in fact, he was the number one junior in the world in singles. Now, he did not win any junior slams in singles. He did win the junior French Open in doubles in 2019. He also had a 40-4 record in singles on the clay at the ITF levels. Now, that's grade threes grade twos, grade ones, et cetera, but 40-4 on clay, uh, that's awfully special when 45-11 and 11, his final year in the juniors and overall uh, had 130-57 and 57 record, again 105 of those 130 wins coming in clay court matches. Still need to see him prove it across other surfaces, but for the young Tarante, you look at what he has done over these past 12 months of competition, makes his first uh, ITF 15K final at the end of last season in Cancun. Wins his first Futures title this year in October uh, in Tunisia. He wins that match three sets on the hard courts. Now here, huge jump into his first quarter uh, into his first final at the challenger level and he looked really good all week long. You look for Tarante, didn't drop a set until that final match and just the confidence he was playing with his forehand. I mean, his ability to just swing through the court, hit that ball when he has time. His ability to find the forehand is equally as impressive and I mean, you look at what he has done thus far. Again, very early still in his pro career has only played 129 matches. The majority, you know, but you look at thus far 51-30 35 on clay, 24 and nine on hard courts he's got weapons. And I mean, you look at young Tarante, he's still only uh, 19 years old, six foot one, growing into his frame. There's a lot to like about his game. I think the big thing is the forehand. When he can find the forehand and he's very good at finding it, his ability to move the ball around the court, it's a dominant sort of stroke. Now, I still need to see more of him playing because this was really my first exposure to the former World Junior number 1, but certainly someone to take notice of right now, Tarante, after this result. Uh, Sitton, Pretty nicely in the rankings, you look where he is at. Tarante now up to number 378 in the live rankings. Of course, number 376 was the career high he reached after this result in terms of players under 20 in the world right now. uh, Young Tarante, who I believe is is number uh, 13 right now in the ATP rankings in terms of the under 20 crew. Again, I still see need to see a little bit more. One challenger final doesn't have him in the ranks of the Musettis, the Alcarazes, Nakashimas, and then obviously a guy in his own category, the Sin Man. Uh, but... When you make a challenger final before you turn 20 years old, you are worth doing a deep dive film study on, and that is what I'm going to do this offseason. I'm going to watch me a little bit of Tarante. The people I respect in tennis Twitter were speaking very highly of him, uh, so I owe that all to you listeners a little bit more uh, from him, certainly. Now, those were your two finalists in terms of your other results on the week. Vitaly Sachko, the qualifier from Ukraine, he makes the semifinal here for Sachko, only 23 years old, so again really good result uh, for the youngster your other semi uh, semifinalist Marcelo Thomas Barrios Vera who has been very sneaky good down the home stretch up to number 254 in the rankings for him uh, oh also worth mentioning for Toronto he's in the top 150 in doubles already you know he's got a skill set uh, but for Barrios Vera the 22 year old Chilean up to 254 in the rankings and g- this is what I'm saying by generational shift it's the 22 23 24 year olds who are now having so much success week in week out that it's quarterfinals semifinals it's a new name every week at these challenger events of course that's not the headlines that's not the indian wells that's not the grand slams but a lot of there's a lot of action that happens week in week out that is at the challenger level and it's the the next generation of players are truly uh Solidifying their hold on that level on those actions, making that much more harder for people like Bjorn for the Dennis Kudla's of the world. People like you know, uh, I will Roberto Cabrera España. I suppose has has already done it, but those sorts of players who are trying to work their way uh, back into or back or into the top one hundred for the first time. But of course, those were uh, your most notable results. Some other things worth mentioning: Nicolas Alvarez, the former Duke standout, knocked out a former top fifty guy. Nicolas Jerry playing his first match back after being suspended uh, due to performance-enhancing, so, testing positive for performance-enhancing substances. Uh, a guy we know here at Cracked Rackets fairly well, Colin Altamirano, the former University of Virginia, who a 2-4 and four loser in his first match to Jesper DeJong. And then, again, carbeas Bania lost Uh, his, I believe, quarterfinal match, yes, to Daniel Galan, but Galan went on to win the tournament, so of course we can understand that loss. That was the action in Lima. Let's move on now to the other challenger we had last week, which went down in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, It was a really fun a list of results, again, you look at uh, the big winner in Sao Paulo. It was Felipe Melagini, Rodriguez, Elves emerging with the title for Melagini, Elves. It's the first challenger title in singles of his career. Now, he does have a couple of doubles titles that he also won this year. In fact, for him, he swept both the singles and doubles in this Sao Paulo event. He was also a junior U.S. Open champion with Juan Carlos Aguilar, who we, uh, of course, know is currently playing his time. Uh, at Texas A&M. But for Melgeni Alves, this wasn't just his first challenger title. This was his first title period. I believe he does not uh, have a a uh, a futures title to his name yet and look that's not shocking considering you look for Melgini Alves where he's at in his career again another guy only 22 years old and what's so most impressive perhaps about this performance is that he only dropped one set on the week it was two Dimitri Popko other than that just looked really comfortable all week long showed off a really impressive skill set and again with this victory now up to a new career high number 242 in the rankings that That's... It's really, really impressive stuff Who from Felipe, who just continues to put forward more and more impressive results. Obviously, uh, this final came after uh, three straight first-round losses, but you look at what he's done this year, uh, back-to-back quarterfinals at the two challengers prior to that. Of course, he made a semifinal back at the end of January, beginning of February at the Challenger in Uruguay before things slowed down. And, you know, he's right on the precipice of where you get into Grand Slam qualifying. Under normal circumstances, he wouldn't have to worry about getting into challenger events moving forward. Of course, nowadays, with the level of challenger cutoffs being higher than it used to be, uh, he should feel pretty solid that he'll get guaranteed still a place in the drawer at a minimum in qualifying. And those little luxuries, given all the uncertainty, again, makes all of the difference in the world. But I got to watch myself a little bit more of Felipe Milagini, Rodriguez, Elvez, but certainly a very impressive result for him uh, in this one as he knocks off... uh, I believe it was Federico Ferreira Silva 6276 in the final of that event. In terms of your other notable results from that one, Thiago Sabathil who of course won himself an ATP title earlier in the season, he lost first round to another former top junior in Orlando, lose but still Seven five one six six three. Tegosab Sabethfield has just looked a little bit one dimensional down the home stretch, and he's very, very, very young, but still a lot of question marks surrounding his game. And obviously, he was someone who came down one of the first tennis players to publicly announce they had COVID uh, all the way back in March, I believe. And so, uh, still wondering, you know, still want to know how he recovers. Still plenty of time for him, but uh, he has not looked great down the home stretch. Uh, Emilio Gomez, tough first round loss in this one as well, although I know he bounced back already this week to knock off his cousin, Roberto Quiroz, in their match. You see some other guys, great tournament for Pedro Sakamoto, uh, who continues to look really good as well. So it was fun action in Sao Paulo. But of course, we have more action, many similar players in play this week in Brazil. I believe they're in Campinas uh, this week, but let's talk about that draw a little bit. You look at the top seeds here, Roberto Carbe Espeña, already a first round winner, uh, for him to advance to the round of 16. Number two seed, Thiago Sabethville. In fact, knocked out once again in his first round by Alejandro Tabilo, 6-1, 6-3. So a lot of question marks for sabath heading into this offseason. Of course, your other seeds in the draw, Fasundo Bagnes, the number three seed, number four seed, Daniel Galan. Also a win already, five seed Mohamed Safwat, six seed, Emilio Gomez, seven seed, Francisco uh, Serendolo, advancing already. Really fun matchup between Number 8 C. Dimitri Popko. Number uh, special exemption here, Diego Tarante, who is yet to play this week. Uh, so that should be a really fun first round match and of course we will be monitoring that all week long as well as the action we have going on in Portugal in Maya this week uh, you look at our top seeds here uh, unfortunately number 1 seed Pedro Martinez already knocked out by uh, Andrea Arnabaldi 6-1-6-2 in this one but you look at some of the other uh, players here in the draw number 2 seed Pedro Sosa advancing number 5 seed Mar- uh, Nikola Miljevic knocked out but 4 seed Henry Laksanen, uh 6 seed Paulo Lorenzi already advancing as well. Uh, number three seed, Yosef Kovalek also uh, winning his first round match. Disappointing uh, for some of us fans out there. I believe, is Nuno in the draw here? Do I see a Nuno Borges appearance? I don't know if I see him. Let's see. Nuno Borges did get a wild card into this, but a 7-5, 6-1 loss. I thought that was the case too. Zapata Morales in his first match thus far, but again, some of the players we still have in play here. Some guys who have been really good down the home stretch. I mentioned Zapata Morales. He's going to play Paulo. Lorenzi, Henry Laxen, and Quentin Hallease should be a really fun one as well. Gasto Elias, Pedro Sosa, uh, Alexei Vatutin uh, versus Carlos Taberner, Arthur Rinderneck in play this week. So plenty of fun action still going on at the challenger level for us to follow. And of course, we will be talking about that action here on the mini break. But Also have some other really fun off-season content planned for all of you. So, again, if any of you listeners have missed anything we've done so far, be sure to go check out the website, CrackedRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at CrackedRackets. You want to message me directly, I am at GreatShotPod. Shout-out, as always, to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out, of course, as well to our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use the promo code CR15. Go to Aerobar.com. Use the promo code crack 15 But with that in mind, for our super producers, Flinger and Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone let we'll